0: You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Jack Lewin, Chief Executive Officer of the American College of Cardiology. This year promises to be an important one in health policy, in cardiology and in many other areas of medicine. As we set our sights on significant transformations across our healthcare system, what can you anticipate from the American College of Cardiology in the coming year that will improve your practice environment and enhance the care you provide to your patients? Our guest is Dr. Albert Beauvais, Professor Emeritus of Medicine at Temple University School of Medicine and the newly installed president of the American College of Cardiology. Welcome, Dr. Beauvais. Thanks, Jack. Well, Fred, you know, the ACC is celebrating its 60th anniversary this year. How's the college grown in membership and purpose over the years?
1: I think there's been some very substantial changes over time. The college started in 1949 with a small group of physicians who were dedicated to education and better patient care. Over the years, they've demonstrated this commitment, and the college has grown based on that commitment so that we are very, very strongly committed to education, including even international education, which was one of the early agendas, and the providing of resources to the members so that they can improve their ability to practice. I mean, we have educational tools, we have registry tools, and in this past five or six years, we've really been paying attention to the entire healthcare environment that we live in including healthcare reform better practice methods with guidelines and standards and so on so i think the evolution of the college is in exactly the direction that i think the founders hoped it would go and i'm quite happy to say that we're we're fulfilling the original goals that were set forth in 1949
0: the college really has become a different kind of institution it's like education and then science and then Quality of care and now even advocacy. So, you mentioned the quality area. You know, there's something called the Quality First Initiative, Fred. Can you describe that in a little more depth?
1: Well, we basically have made a strong commitment to having our members understand what quality is in the practice of cardiology and how to produce quality care and also how to measure quality care. So one of the things that we're doing with Quality First is, number one, taking our commitment to doing guidelines and practice performance measures and actually turning them into tools that will, will provide the physicians in the in the college and elsewhere with clear-cut statements on what quality care is, how to measure it, and then how to respond to feedback. So I, I think we're educating physicians with that, and we're also developing registries that will provide the information we need to to look at quality and provide the feedback to the physician so they can continuously improve the level of care that they're providing to patients with heart disease.
0: Given the fact that maybe three-fourths of cardiovascular care is provided by non-cardiologists, I would assume the goal would be to reach out to internal medicine, family practice, emergency medicine, and others, and, and to nurses and other practitioners as well with these efforts.
1: That's exactly right, Jack, although I I think we've sort of concentrated on our own membership first because I think we've got to be the examples and say, yes, we're providing quality, and then get the information out to a broader base. You know, we, we did expand our membership to nurses and other members of the healthcare team that are not physicians, and they are very much engaged in the quality agenda as well as the physicians. And we are creating tools that can be used in the primary care area, in the family practice area, and in the internal medicine area so that hopefully we can have our quality agenda for better patient care spread throughout the healthcare community.
0: It seems like nurse practitioners and doctors of pharmacy and others now that are in the membership are really making great contributions. You know, the National Cardiovascular Data Registry, or the NCDR, Fred, You and I know that it's up and operating and providing outcomes measures and process measures in 2,400 hospitals, but I don't think a lot of other people do. Can you tell us something about the NCDR?
1: Actually, I've been sort of watching how it's evolved since 19... Actually, before 1997, when it was first implemented, there was an awful lot of discussion about how to do this. But basically, right now, what what we've focused on in in our first of of several data registries was the ability to record information about interventional and invasive cardiology that is from the cath lab in hospitals and this was a registry that was used by hospitals to enter an array of data that identified the procedures that were being performed and in the cath lab and the outcomes of those procedures this is a hospital based registry which developed a tremendous following and in particular has been looked at by various regulatory organizations like state health departments and so on as one of the tools for measuring outcome and performance of individual hospitals. This has become a very popular and very important tool for assessing quality in an individual and a region and nationally, so that if you're a hospital, you can compare your data to what's going on in your region and also in in the whole country. So that, I think, was an important effort. It's evolved into an extremely important data set And it was the prototype for a number of other registries. We were approved by Medicare to to have a similar registry for ICD implants, for carotid stenosis treatment, both by surgery and by intervention. And we're looking at some clinical registries now, one with following the outcome of acute myocardial infarction in hospitals, and, and most recently, a registry that's going to allow us to look at the performance of practices in the ambulatory environment, which I think is probably the most important thing we can do in the long term and feedback to the practicing position on the quality of what they do in the ambulatory environment. So I, I think this has started an important movement. We were probably one of the very first organizations to set up these kind of registries, and I think they're becoming extremely necessary in this new world of healthcare reform.
0: Is that new uh, ambulatory registry? That's the IC3 registry, right? Right. That's that's very exciting, you know if you could combine the inpatient and the outpatient and have that continuity of care, just imagine what could happen in terms of improving continuous quality across the whole cardiovascular spectrum. That's very exciting. I understand you're also heading into the congenital heart disease area as well.
1: That's right. The first effort at, at congenital heart disease, and thanks for reminding me of that is a new registry which is going to look at the outcome of interventional invasive procedures in patients with congenital heart disease, and this will be children and adults in fact, so it's it's yet another quality registry to give us insight into how to provide feedback to people that are taking care of patients with congenital heart disease. And I will say Jack, you know, and as you know, I'm very much interested in computers and information systems and the registries eventually I think as we move toward an integrated health information technology system in this country will be extremely important embedded tools in electronic records and in information networks that will will monitor quality and provide feedback at the point of care including some practice assistance at the point of care. So I I see these as becoming an extremely important infrastructure in this large health information effort that we're taking up right now.
0: Those are awesome innovations, Fred. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD Radio XM 160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jack Lewin. Our guest is Dr. Alfred Beauvais, the new president of the American College of Cardiology, we're discussing the year ahead of us at the ACC. Well, Fred, you are the father of the CardioSmart Registry, which is now a worldwide educational resource and CardioSource, excuse me. You, I mean, you really took that one and built it for the college along with ACC.org website. So those are exciting innovations, but I understand that you're now working on something new called CardioSmart as part of the year of the patient theme that you've put forward. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: I've been practicing cardiology for quite a long time and have gone through stress lab, research lab, cath lab, and as I've gone through that time, I've always tried to be a physician to patients with heart disease, that is, provide ambulatory care, get engaged with patients on a long-term basis so that you really understand the patients and can interact with their long-term needs. In the new world of information theory, we need to get a way to get patients more engaged in their care. I think part of the year of the patient effort is to really bring the patient into the care team. And in order to do that, we need to provide education. And of course, in this day and age, education is provided in many ways, but the most important is over the internet. So we have developed a website called CardioSmart. It's a patient-directed website. It evolved from the team that developed CardioSource, and it's become a very popular site for information about heart disease for patients. We are building tools into CardioSmart for more engagement of the patient. We're providing the patient with things that will allow them to understand their illness and have questions to take with them to to ask their physician about their various cardiac disorders. We're building a a tracking system in CardioSmart so that if you have high blood pressure, you can join the tracking system and enter your blood pressure data and get information back on how how it's going over weeks to months. And we're developing some tools on quality so that the patients can also understand what quality of care is, and know when they go to see their physician that they're getting a reasonable quality of care. And these tools are all going to be put on CardioSmart. So we look at this as our portal to the patients. And the whole college has made a strong commitment this next year to become more patient-focused and more patient education and more patient engagement in their own care. So I'm very excited about it. I mean, to me, it's the most important thing we can do in this next year is get the patients involved in what we do so that they're as engaged in quality as we, the physicians, are.
0: You know, it's amazing. Isn't it? This is so so different from the way we were educated in terms of medical school and residency and postgraduate training. It's a very, very interesting change in the themes where now empowering the patient is as important a part of the therapy as anything. So that's, that's terrific stuff. So look forward to learning more about CardioSmart as we go. You know, your year as president is likely to be an exciting one from the perspective of national health system reform. Who knows how much we're going to get done, but we're sure talking a lot about it. What do you see out there for people listening who may be a little intimidated by some of these changes being proposed? What do you think health system reform is going to be about? What is the college going to be doing in the middle of it? What are your predictions in these regards?
1: There's a lot of different issues out there. I mean, one of the most important is this health information technology, and President Obama's already made a substantial financial commitment to funding health information technology. And and again, I think because of the quality issues, because of the ability to network and provide feedback and care, that's a big initiative. We've been very much interested in health information technology. You know, we have a, a committee of cardiologists and experts in information technology working to provide statements and policies to the federal government where we think the health information technology ought to be going. So one of the big ones for us is health information technology. I think we're also very much interested in universal coverage. I I think it's a tragedy in our country that nearly 50 million people don't have health insurance. I mean, obviously the physicians will feel better if they could get paid for some of that free care, but that issue is, is only a small part of having better health access for millions of people who don't get the right kind of care, because they, they can't afford to pay for it. So that's that's another big issue for us. We want to get into payment reform. Right now, the system is very inverted. I always tell people, being a clinician, uh, particularly involved in heart failure, if I do a good job treating a heart failure patient and keep them out of the hospital, I get penalized. I get paid less for doing that than letting them Perverse get sick. Perverse incentives. And so the whole thing yeah. is backwards. And I think we've made a strong commitment to try to to get this thing inverted so it's got the right kind of incentives for care. And we're pushing for quality care as a as a methodology for providing different reimbursement. And we're we're pushing for continuity and integrated care for methodologies for reimbursement. And as you know I'm being a heart failure physician, I'm interested in in having a a set of cardiology even be a medical home for some patients that have chronic heart disease that might best be cared for long-term by cardiologists. So I think we've got a number of agendas, health IT, universal coverage, health care reform with quality as a measure, integrated care. I think all of these things are on our table, and we're working hard to try to provide our own input to these different issues.
0: So, you know, you actually are working, I understand, to try to propose how pay for performance or quality um, incentives will be crafted and how coordination or medical home incentives will be crafted. Do you think there's any future to fee-for-service at all? Do you think that fee-for-service is going to exist in the future with its sort of promotion of volume-based pay instead of quality? Or or is there a way for the average doctor to, to replace it with something else?
1: Sure. I'll use the example because I always seem to get into it of a broken wrist. You know, you, you fall down, break your wrist, and, you know, you don't you don't need continuity of care. What you need is to go to the orthopedic surgeon, have a cast put on, maybe go back for one or two visits, and, and you're done with it, you know. So there's definitely a place for fee-for-service, you know, a, a specific event, a specific care. So I don't think we'll ever get rid of fee-for-service because there's so many one-time things where it would be hard to sort of connect that into a long-term continuity of care thing. So, yeah, there's fee for service that's going to have to be there for the simple one-time things. But in this day and age, and particularly in the areas of, of chronic disease, and, you know, in cardiology, we've, we've been able to prolong life and keep people going well into their 70s and 80s with chronic disease. It's a different model. We don't want to only see these patients when they get seriously ill. We want to be watching over them so that they don't get seriously ill, and that's a continuity issue which changes the whole process. So I think fee-for-service has got a place. Clearly there's different ways of practicing and different kinds of practice, so it'll be there. I think this sort of integrated continuity of care approach is the alternative or another piece of it that would be in parallel with the fee-for-service model. I'm not quite sure how it's all going to work out yet, but I think at least now there's interest in creating these two different kinds of models.
0: We have been talking with Dr. Alfred Bovee, looking ahead to a great year in cardiology and health policy at the American College of Cardiology. Dr. Bovee, thank you for being our guest.
1: Thanks for the opportunity to say something about our goals here. Thanks, Jeff.
0: You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.